everybody. This is Jim Massano on College Hoops Chat, your weekly college basketball radio show here on WVOX 1460 AM, my favorite radio station here in New Rochelle. So, hope everybody's doing well. We've got a great show tonight. So glad you tuned in because at 8.15, we have Coach Tom Pecora who's been a friend to the show, he has called in the past, and he just got hired to be the head coach. He was an assistant coach at Quinnipiac. Tom Bacora is now the head coach at Quinnipiac. This just happened last week. The head coach, Baker Dunleavy, uh, decided to take a job uh, at Villanova, where he's going to be the general manager, kind of a new model in college basketball, because there's so much now to kind of be worked on on a college basketball program with the transfer portal and NIL, name, image, and likeness, money, and all these other things that are new to college basketball, that Villanova's going to hire a general manager, and that's Baker Dunleavy, who was the former coach at Villanova. I'm sorry, Quinnipiac. He's going to Villanova to be the general manager uh, for the basketball team, which is kind of neat. It's kind of innovative by Villanova. So Tom Bacor, who is an assistant, somebody we think very highly of on the show, is going to be uh, the new head coach of Quinnipiac moving up from assistant coach. Now, he's very qualified. Uh, Tom's coached all over the place, but in particular, uh, he had a great run at Hofstra, taking Hofstra to the NIT. Uh, Over his last six years at Hofstra, he averaged 20 wins a year. It's a matter of fact, in those six years, he had the most winning team in the New York metropolitan area, which is quite uh, distinguished. After that, he got hired over at Fordham. Uh, He tried real hard. Fordham had been down for a while. Uh, Looked like he was making some progress along the way, but it didn't work out. Uh, And Tom um, didn't stay at Fordham. Didn't work out. But uh, a great coach at Hofstra. Did a great job as an assistant at Quinnipiac. And now promoted to head coach. He's calling us at 815. Um, And I see we're going to be calling him, Chuck. We're going to be calling... Uh, Tom at 8.15. All right, so after that, 8.30, it's going to be what we call around here a great day to be a Ram. We're going to be chatting with head coach of the very successful 25-8 and Fordham basketball Rams, uh, along with the terrific athletic director uh, who's been an unbelievable leader at Fordham to help them move forward uh, and turn that basketball program around. As a matter of fact, they're winning in a lot of sports right now at Fordham, so hats off to Fordham University. So we're going to have both Ed Cole, the athletic director, and head coach Keith Ergo calling at 8.30. Uh, that will be fun. And then in our final segment, uh, we're going to have our uh, one of our favorites on the show, Kenny from Rye. Kenny will be calling in, and him and I will be talking about everything we talked about tonight with all our spectacular guests. All right? So that's the first thing I wanted to mention to you. The second thing I want to mention to you is next week is our last show. Okay, April 24th will be the final show of this season. We're going to take a break over the summer uh, and let everybody uh, watch hockey and basketball, pro basketball, playoffs. Knicks Knicks look really good, by the way. I watched them on Saturday night. So we will uh, get back uh, to our other sports for for like four or five months, and we'll be back on the show in October to start doing preseason chat here on College Hoops Chat. Uh, for the 2023-2024 season in college basketball. So next week's our last show. But what's exciting about next week's show is that we have Tobin Anderson coming on the show, the new 
head coach of Iona University. People are really excited about him coming in. He's following a great coach, Rick Pitino, who moved on to St. John's. But I don't think Iona's going to lose much with Tobit Anderson. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm willing to say it here on the radio right now. I think Iona's going to be just as good with Tobit Anderson as they were with Rick Pitino. And by the way, I hold Rick Pitino in very high regard. So this is a compliment to Tobit Anderson. He's out there recruiting 24 hours a day. He is working his butt off for Iona. He was on the campus last week walking around. I think Iona hit a home run with the hiring of Tobin Anderson to be the next Iona University Gale coach. And as you know, uh, Tobin Anderson coached at FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson University, um, last year and led FDU to two wins in the NCAA tournament. They won the play-in game against Texas Southern. And then they beat Purdue, a number one seed, one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upset in the history of college basketball. Uh, did a great job. They lost in the next round to Florida Atlantic, but they played them close. Tobin Anderson's a heck of a coach. Uh, he won 77% of his games when he coached the prior 10 years before FDU at St. Thomas Aquinas in Rockland County, which was Division II. But was a great coach there. I like his style. He plays an attack uh, defense, kind of like Rick Pitino, frankly. He likes to press. He likes speed. Uh, he likes players that can um, uh, put the pressure on the defense and spark turnovers and deflections that leads to more offense. He likes teams that can shoot the three-pointer. I think he's going to be a great coach. So we're going to talk with Tobin Anderson next week on April 24th on our final show of the season, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I don't know if you know... But he had a heck of a week, Tobin Anderson, uh, with Iona because he got a bunch of recruits. In particular, he brought in a transfer student from Harvard who's going to be a fifth-year uh, graduate student for Iona next year. He averaged about 10 points a game. Uh, he was a good passer. He was a good shooter. He was a good defender. I mean, his name is Aiden Traitout. Okay, Aiden Traitout, a starter for a very good Harvard team last year. Record was okay, but they were pretty good, and they played a lot of tough games in a tough Ivy League. We had some really strong teams like Princeton and Penn. So Aiden Tradeout is transferring to Iona. Uh, he's a six foot four big guard. I think he's going to fit into Tobin Anderson's system perfect. That was a great get because, as you know, Iona's having a tough time after Rick Pitino left because ten players jumped into the transfer portal. That's a lot of players to lose, and you know the star of the team, Walter Clayton. Uh, has now transferred to Florida. He's going to be a Florida Gator. I think Walter's going to do great down there. Dennis Jenkins, who was the other really good guard for Anna last year, he's going to go, Rick Pitino, over to St. John's. So those are two of the best players in Anna last year. They're gone. Nelly Jr. Joseph announced he's going to go to New Mexico, playing for Rick Pitino's son. So some of these top players in Iona last year have transferred. They went in the portal, they transferred. But that doesn't mean Iona can't have a good year next year. Tobin Anderson's recruiting really hard. He got this transfer from Harvard. Uh, Osborne Shima, the seven foot one center, is coming back. So Iona's got two big time players on the roster now. And they got four really good looking freshmen. All right. Uh, Tobin Anderson brought uh, a guard from Baltimore, Maryland. Jeremiah Quigley, really good point guard. Uh, Gene Aragoron from Venezuela, played up in Massachusetts at a prep school. He's coming in. Then they, this past weekend, they got Dylan Sanders, a six foot eight forward from Virginia, uh, one of the best players in the state of Virginia. 
And Alex Bates, probably the best player that they got. He's six foot five forward from North Carolina. Uh, I'll give you a review somebody had of him. Long, skilled, and athletic with the ability to play with or without the ball in his hands. Bates can shoot and create. He's a reliable defender and rebounder with great size for his position. Um, he decommitted from Fordham, went back in uh, uh, eligibility, and decided on Iona. And he had 15 Division I teams having uh, a scholarship offer. So uh, that's a really good weekend for Tobin Anderson and Iona. But now we're going to switch gears because we're going to be talking to the new coach of the Quinnipiac Bobcats, Tom Pecora. Are you there? Tom? Hello, Jim. How are you, buddy? How are you doing? So one congratulations to you, Tom Pecora. Last week, I jump on Twitter, do my morning college basketball check for the radio show, and I read, Tom Pecora is the new head coach at uh, Quinnipiac. So I was really happy for you, Tom, because you were kind and nice to me whenever I called with questions, and you like to see the good guys in this business do well. So great job, Tom. Well, Jim, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's an exciting time at Quinnipiac, as you know. Our men's hockey team just won the national championship. The university was uh, pumped about that. And there's a great commitment at Quinnipiac to athletics on all levels and all sports. And uh, things have worked out well. And I'm excited about being the new head coach. So last year when we chatted, and I mentioned, do you think you ever want to be a head coach uh, again someday? You were like, ah, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm having a great time at Quinnipiac as an assistant. I mean, you kind of weren't sure you'd get another shot. It must be so exciting that you did, in fact, get that second shot. It is, and it was a bizarre set of circumstances. Honestly, we had a you know we had a productive season. We won 20 games this year. Uh, our head coach, Baker Dunleavy, who was very bright, good young basketball coach, uh, had strong ties to Villanova University. And as you know, uh, in, in the world of major college basketball now, there's a number of positions that surround the coaching staff uh, that support them and enable them to go out and deal with the NIL and all of the other issues that are taking place, the transfer portal, and there's just so many moving parts nowadays in our business. Uh, and a position down there open uh, as basically uh, overseeing the men's basketball program and being the general manager, so to speak. And uh, both Baker and his wife uh, uh, are graduates, and, and his wife is from that area. And uh, he thought at this time it was a great fit for him. And it all kind of came together within 48 hours, and he decided to resign and move on. And uh, in a quick manner, they, uh, you know, they approached me about becoming the head coach, and I was excited about doing it. Uh, uh, you know, leading a seamless transition. I'm going to keep my entire staff, who are very high-level coaching staff, along with us. We have a strong core of players staying with us. So we're out in the transfer portal, and we're out looking at high school players. But it's not a total uh, rebuild, which it, it it is in some places when coaching changes take place. That's right. You see that so much. I, my son is a South Carolina Gamecock, and when Frank Martin left, like 10 guys left the team, and they had to rebuild the team with a brand-new coach. So you see that a lot of places. Iona's dealing with that right now. St. John's is dealing with that right now. So luckily, you're walking in with the uh, Quinnipiac Bobcats, and you don't have to do a total rebuild. So that's good news. It is. We have some experienced, good experienced players that are going to stick around. And, you know, that, that speaks a lot to the university. You know, it's a great experience in Quinnipiac. So guys don't want to leave. You know, they're having a a great time getting a good education and enjoying being college students. And uh, I think it's, that, that speaks a lot to the experience of being a Quinnipiac Bobcat. Well, 
Well, it must be exciting on that campus right now. You won the national championship in hockey. Everybody I have ever spoken to about Quinnipiac, like when parents were visiting colleges, when my son was looking at colleges that year, uh, we didn't go to Quinnipiac, but so many parents did, and they all said the same thing. The campus is beautiful. Everybody says that about Quinnipiac. And they, so you have a beautiful campus, national championship hockey team, great academics, um, a lot going uh, on at Quinnipiac, all good things. It is, and uh, that obviously makes our job much easier when you bring families on uh, to campus and on visits, and they get in the, a chance not only to see how beautiful a campus is, but then meet the people at the university. And uh, from our president, uh, the, uh, President Oli and on down, people are engaged on every level. People go out of their way to speak to people visiting campus. Uh, there's a lot of positives to it. It's an efficiently run university. Uh, it, it's a place where uh, young people can be safe while they're getting a great education. So it checks just about all the boxes. And really an honor to be the head coach here and a pleasure to work here. That's great. So, Tom, what was it like? You get the job last week. Uh, did you feel like your life went upside down or did you just kind of continue to march? Well, you know, having been a, a head coach for 17 years, Prior to coming back up here and working as an assistant, uh, it, it wasn't the same experience as the first time I became a head coach. You, you know, you you understand the pace of things. You understand uh, that you have to prioritize things that need to get done first. And and first and foremost, it's taking care of the players and uh, you know making sure they understand things are going to be okay. Speaking to their families, uh, obviously their parents, then their coaches, uh, people who are involved in their life and letting them understand that, that, that we're all on board, we're going to take care of them in every, in every aspect of, a, of the college experience, and then moving on and doing the same thing with your staff and, and allowing them to understand here's how we're going to move forward. So it's been a number of meetings for us. Obviously, you know, we, we have an expression that, that I've always used, we work half days, 12 hours, and, uh, you know, right now we're at day 20, myself and, and my top assistant, Sean Morris, is driving back after watching a high school workout. And, you know, we got in the office about 8 o'clock this morning. So uh, there's your half day. I did uh, see, Tom, you, were, you went over at the C. Stepanak, right? I did, yeah. We, we went over there and just see some friends and look at some young players and no one in specific. But, uh, you know, make the rounds. You know, I, one of the things I learned as a young coach was, uh, and this is the case at Stepanak because they're loaded, but during the course of the live period, I'll, very often I'll pop in the, the visit coaches that have no players that we can recruit. But uh, out of respect to them and, and the fact that they've had players in the past and they'll have them in the future. And, you know, recruiting is about relationships as much as anything else. And uh, we have strong ties throughout the Northeast. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to call on those friends as we go through the recruiting process and we want to bring players in and fit our system to Quinnipiac. All right, Tom, I understand why you went to Stepanak. Very strong program, but I don't know if you know this, Tom. The Masano family, all the Masano men, we're Iona prep guys, just so you know, Tom. Uh, you know about that rivalry, know. Tom. You know about it. I sure do, and I'll stop by Iona prep, and, and uh, as soon as they have a spring work done, I'm sure I pop in there as well. All right, well, that's great. Good, that, that's well, what I wanted to hear, Tom. That's exactly right, what I want to hear. Yeah. Go Gales. Now, I'm not talking about the uh, university, Gales. I know that's your rival. I own a prep, Gales. I got it. All right, Tom. Thanks. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about um, the roster. Uh, so I, I see, I did a little research. Matt Balink. Did I say the name right? Matt Balink? Uh, uh, Matt Balink. Yeah, Matt Balink. all-conference player for us. 
Yes. He's going to come back and return. He uh, is, is a young guy he's, uh, from Maryland. He's, he's really developed year, each year, becoming a better player for us, a captain, a, a prototypical just a 6-4 multi-positional player. In college, he can play 2, 3, or 4, attacks the rim with a vengeance, has become a, a very good three-point shooter. And, uh, and one of our primary team leaders. So, you know, uh, he was a captain this year, and by him staying around, obviously he'll be a captain next year and one of our leaders. Yeah, I, I, rem- I remember him. I, I saw you play both Iona games. I saw a couple other games. Every time I watched Quinnipiac last season, he was a solid player, 12 points a game. The other guy that used to pop out at me, although um, didn't play as much, I think he sometimes gets into foul trouble, but he, he's, he's a tall guy, uh, Paul Otino. Otino? Paulo Tiano, yeah. Paulo, uh, he'll be a sophomore with us this year, uh, eligibility-wise. Uh, our starting center at about 6'8", 240, and cut out of stone, uh, plays to exhaustion. So, you know, very often uh, we just had to take him out of games to get him a blow or two. He's in great shape, but he just plays so darn hard. And, you know, working on expanding his game out to the perimeter, but a solid rebounder, post-defender, uh, exceptional screener, a guy who does just a lot of the dirty work for us, and and he will be back, and uh, and he'll be our starting center going into the season. Well, that's two great pieces right there. You got a you know a, a, a tall a center in Paul Latino and uh, Matt Belanc. Uh, that's pretty. So that's good. And the other guy I remember from the season uh, that was a part-time player. He came in. He, he looked pretty good. Well, there are two of them, Alex Alexis Reyes and JJ Regans. Oh, will they be coming back? They will. J.J. Riggins will be back as a senior. He'll be our backup uh, center. I mean, he's going to compete for starting minutes. But J.J. Uh, is a great player at Armotep down in Philadelphia. And he just had shoulder surgery last week. But they've assured us he'll be back on the floor by uh, midsummer and uh, and getting himself ready for his senior season. And Alexis Reyes is, uh, uh, you know, an exceptional basketball player, in my opinion, about six, seven and a half, a stretch four who can rebound the ball, pass the ball, has a very good feel for the game. And uh, that's a position that I, has always been a key on the teams I've coached that have been successful because you can run offense through your stretch four when he's a skilled perimeter player. And yet at that size, he still has the ability to rebound the basketball and, and make some of the toughest plays that we need. And then in addition to those fellows, Savion Lewis is going to be back for one more year. Right. Savion has been injured the last couple of years. Two years ago, he was playing at the best he had at Quinnipiac. He came to us from out in uh, Dix Hills, Long Island. He was New York State High School Player of the Year his senior year at uh, Half Hollow Hills West and injured his Achilles, tore his Achilles at, at Manhattan uh, two seasons ago and was out for the entire season. Did a great job rehabbing it. Last year, he had to get minor knee surgery, but it was right in the middle of the season. So it kind of broke up the year for him. But we anticipate him coming back and being our starting point guard moving into this year. Well, that's great. You really do have a lot coming back. That's a solid foundation. Matter of fact, frankly, you know, looking at the MAC, a lot of MAC teams lost a lot of guys. You seem like you're a little better off with what you got coming back. Well, we'll be in good shape. The one thing is, we do have experience and. As uh, we talked about, we have a couple of good freshmen coming in, but we also are we're very active in the transfer portal, and we really don't have to fill a lot of pieces, but we just have to bring in solid plates and players that we all feel confident will be able to come in off the bench and, and add some experience and, and uh, uh, veteran experience and some toughness. 
So you have four open roster spots, is that correct? Yeah, we should have four. Uh, once again, you know, the world we live in now, Jim, uh, nothing surprises you. Uh, I feel very confident that everybody's going to uh, stay put, but uh, you, you never know how sure. things can play out. And then very often I always like to keep one in the ice box and not use all of your scholarships because you never know how things are going to play out over the course of this summer and even mid-year next year. So, uh, you know, time will tell on that, and it kind of finds it uh, works its way out. All right, so, Tom, you have told me in prior years when you called the show how frustrating and crazy the recruiting world is now at NIL and Portal, and now you're a head coach that has to deal with this. You're already dealing with it as an assistant, but uh, it really is crazy out there, isn't it? It is, and, I, you know, once again, I, I, this is my 40th year in the coaching business, and, I, you know, I think it's sad on a lot of levels just because uh, a couple things, in my opinion, are going to take place because the NIL is, is a different equation. That's going to have a huge effect on the, the bigger schools. The effect it has on schools like ourselves, and we all mid-major and low-major programs basically become the equivalent of AAA baseball. So we're going to develop players, and then the big schools have at least one person on every staff. It's just keeping an eye on mid-major and low-major programs. And if you have young players that are all conference, in our conference this year, I believe first, second, third team all conference, just about all 15 guys are gone. I saw that. They're not in the MAC. They either graduated or they're moving out to other schools. Right. So, uh, and I think when it's, when it's all said and done, and these guys are done with their college experience, whether they transfer after graduating or they transfer during the, the first four years, you're not going to have that same experience that so many young people have had over generations of really truly feeling connected to a school as compared to feeling like a hired gun where you, you know, you've come in and played a year or two here and a year or two there, and very often then guys graduate and they go somewhere else. So I think that's, that's going to take away from the college experience for a lot of people. And alumni days aren't going to be the same for a lot of these young people uh, as, they, as they get on with their lives. And they won't have the same impact that they've had on so many of us when you be connected to a school for four years. I agree. I agree. All right, Tom, we're about to bump up to our commercial breaks. So let me just say, again, congrats. I'm so happy for you. Now that you're the coach, I'm going to come up for the show to a couple of games and cover uh, Quinnipiac uh, up in your gym. How's that? You're welcome anytime, Jim. Thanks so much for your time. All right, Tom, good luck with Quinnipiac Bobcats. Thank you. Okay, great. All right, that was Tom Picor. He's going to do a great job with Quinnipiac. We're going uh, to our commercial break, and we'll be right back for the second half of the show. Okay, folks, we're back for the second half of the show. I'm your host, Jim Misano, on College Troop Shadow and WVOX, and we're calling the next segment of the show. It's a great day to be a Ram because... On the show uh, is the outstanding athletic director at Fordham University, Ed Cull, and the outstanding basketball coach, Keith Ergo. Welcome, gentlemen, to College Hoops Chat. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great to be with you, Jim. Fantastic to be here. Exciting times at Fordham University. Really, what you've got, what the two of you have done to turn around that basketball program should get like unbelievable amount of ink from the college basketball analysts, because I've been going to see Fordham basketball games for a long time, uh, and it was a, a tough uh, few decades. And uh, I'd go to the games. Unfortunately, you guys know why I go to the games. They've seen St. Bonaventure play you. And this year, I went to see my Bonnies play the Fordham Rams, and 
uh, just to show you how great you guys are doing. You beat my Bonnies, uh, and I was impressed. I didn't feel that bad after that game because your team outplayed us. Uh, things are going really well for Fordham Rams basketball. And as somebody who loves New York metropolitan area basketball, I'm proud of what you guys have done. Well, thank you so much, Jim. And, and a lot of what we've been able to accomplish at Rose Thrill, as we're calling it, um, it, it has a lot to do with what you mentioned, Ed Cole, his leadership, and his staff, along with President Tetlow and others like the Board of Trustees getting fully committed to you know, helping build and sustain um, a real high-level basketball program, which you know very well, being a Bonnie's fan, is exciting and it's tough to do. Um, and it's funny you had mentioned uh, when you had come this year, you know, I had mentioned to you um, that during the year that I had caught Mark Schmidt the day of the game we played St. Bonnie's and home. I caught him outside um, as they were leaving their shoot-around. And he, he, I stopped him and I said, listen, have you ever been – to a sold-out game here in Rose Hill. He said, you know, I've been coming here for however long, and usually there's more Bonnie's fans <laughs> yes. in our building uh, that, that, that are in Rose Hill than, than, than Fordham fans. He's like, I've heard we're going to have a big crowd tonight. I can't wait. And that's exactly what happened. It was sold out. And then after the game, he had mentioned a couple of different comments about the environment being one of the best we've seen in college basketball. So when guys like that who have been around, especially in the league, and been through our gym, Say that, it means the world to us. Well, it's true. You know, the two loudest games I went to this season were, was the uh, Bonnie's game, and then when I went to see you guys uh, play your final game uh, of the year, uh, where you beat Duquesne, which was a very exciting game. You blew them out in the second half. Uh, that was the two loudest gyms I heard all year. <laughs> well, you know, Jim, it's funny. Um, I, I think I know there's been a lot of frustration for the Fordham faithful in terms of men's hoops. Uh, the last few decades, and but you also know in this city the love of college basketball, the love of the game of basketball, uh, the educated fan, the passionate fan, the energetic fan, and when they know good basketball, they get behind it. Uh, when they know that the players uh, and student athletes in our perspective are giving their full effort and are competing at a high level and are are competing with giving everything they got, they they respect and appreciate that. Like like those those Knicks teams in the nineties and. And it's, and it's funny, and I give a lot of credit to Keith Ergo. He's been very humble here. But, you know, the really the, the key surgeons from that crowd perspective and the home court advantage was that student population. And, and that student body on campus just got engaged. Uh, it was contagious. It was passionate. Uh, they created a home court advantage. Um, they made it uncomfortable for visiting teams, as Keith talked about Bonaventure and some of the other examples this year. Um, and they led the way, uh, really. The alums are wonderful, and we love them, and the fans and supporters, but the student body, that's what brings the energy. They bring the passion. They bring the love, um, and, and they really drove the culture and environment this year. And talk about Rose Thrill and obviously what, what, what Coach Ergo and, and those student-athletes did this year. Um, I give a lot of credit to, of course, Coach Ergo, but those student-athletes, those students on campus made it a – must-see must events and waited online hours before the game to get in and get the best seats. Those kids truly brought the excitement back to Rose Hill campus after almost you know 30 years or so. So we're really lucky and passionate, and we got everybody pulling in the right direction right now. I also saw Cull athletic director Ed Cull before the game walk over there and rev up Rose Thrill. I saw you getting them cheering. That was pretty impressive, uh, athletic director. Uh, you know, listen, it, it, it takes the whole village. There's no doubt about that. As Coach Ergo knows, he talk a lot about that. 
from our students on campus to our faculty members, to our deans, to the local Bronx community. Uh, we want everybody to be a part of it. We're not, we know what it takes and it's everybody's got to be involved and, and cheering and pulling for us. And, uh, and that's a lot of what we saw in terms of success this year. And Coach Ergo got it from every one of his players and his staff members, and we need the same from our entire campus. And Jim, Jim, we got to we got to give a, a shout out to that that student body, like Coach Cole mentioned, as we call him Coach Cole. He advises us a lot, and we got to give a specific shout out to to the shirtless herd, which is now a new <laughs> tradition in Rose Thrill, a group of guys who really brought it every single day, and it's a new tradition that we are going to definitely try to continue. A lot of excitement in that first couple rows of that student section. It's great. I, I can't wait to come back next year, especially since when I came to visit your game, you gave me a great seat at half court. So I love Fordham more than any school now <laughs> after the seat you guys gave me. I appreciate that. All right. Anytime. So let's, let's talk about uh, the end of the season. You had, a, you, know, you had that great Duquesne win. Then you won the first round of the A-10 tournament. And you really played well against Dayton. You know, even though you lost by 10, you were in that game. Um, I watched it on, on VCR because I went to the Iona game. I watched you when I got home. But I already knew you lost. I was bummed. But, you know, uh, Richardson hit a three-pointer. You're down by one point with like six minutes to go. Uh, and that was kind of it. You just couldn't uh, make that final push. Dayton pulled away. You were so close. Uh, to go into the finals of the A-10. I guess that's something that's burning with you guys. You're going to use it for next year. Yeah, there's no question. Our guys were not excited about the outcome of that game. We were not just happy to be there. Uh, and then I think that that's really one of the biggest differences in, uh, in our locker room nowadays is and throughout this season, there was never an opponent we didn't believe that we could step on the floor and we should be. Not could potentially be in the game at the end and steal one, but literally go into each and every game thinking and expecting to win. And that's a mindset I think that we've changed over the course of the last two years at Fordham and something I got to give a lot of credit to our, our players for. You know, we've got guys that aren't used to losing a whole lot anymore and they don't plan on doing it anytime soon. So, you know, they never thought for one second that they were going to lose that Dayton game. And they were so excited after the first performance earlier on in the year against, against them at home. We, we weren't prepared and ready for that game. And, they responded. It was a much, diff, much tougher, much you know, more physical game. And you know, you got to give credit to Dayton. They hit some big shots throughout that that game. I mean, Kid Kamara had. I think he broke a, a record for Atlantic Ten. I think he was like thirteen or thir thirteen or fourteen from the field, and um, something really special. They needed some huge performances in order to to sneak through. And you know, I think we wore them out honestly because the next night they were struggling late in the game to make some shots. So we, we just, um, you know, our guys were very disappointed in the locker room after the game. And, you know, it's funny. Usually you want to take a couple of days or at least two weeks off at the end of the year. And you just want to give them time to rest before your spring workouts begin. These guys literally did not want to take any time off. A couple of days after the, fin the semifinals, they're back in the gym playing pickup, getting after it in individuals. That's the mindset um, now in that locker room. And it's great. You know, credit to our leaders, credit to our staff. All right, so let's talk about next season. I know you can't talk about the recruits. I won't put you guys on the spot. But let's talk about uh, the returning team. The good news is I went online before the show, and only one guy on the team is in the transfer portal as of now. There's like, I think, 25 days left. But that's really good news because most other teams have more than one guy in the transfer portal. 
Yeah, no, we're excited. And again, that's credit to our staff. I think um, we're just such a tremendous group of men who are helping lead our program. They, they, they develop incredible relationships with our student-athletes. Um, they get real personal, and, and, you know, as a result, a lot of our guys are excited about the future. Uh, you know, we do a great job of developing our players, and, and our young guys are, are really eager and hungry to get their opportunities. So, again, credit to our staff for developing those close, unique, authentic relationships, and our guys are just excited to get going. They saw the excitement in Rose Thrill. They know what the future can, can hold, and um, these guys have been working hard. And I, 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 We expect to have a great summer. Like I said, everybody's hungry. They're getting in the weight room. They're getting on the floor. And you know, as a result, they've built kind of a connection in the locker room that's really, really special, and we've got to continue to improve on that. So you, you lost two of your better players, right? Cuisenberry and Moore have no eligibility yeah. left? Yeah, two all-conference players. They are... They are done with their eligibility. Both signed well, with some, some good agencies, and we expect big things. They're getting some workouts. They're both preparing for some individual and NBA workouts, and um, hopefully they have some opportunities. Right, and I noticed that – so I did a little – played with some numbers. You had 10 guys last season that played 29 or more games. Uh, that means you had uh, most of your players getting into every game. Uh, which I think is great that you lost your two best players, but you have a lot of guys with experience ready to step up. Yeah, we had a lot of depth this past year, and that gave us a number of opportunities to play a few different ways. We can play small, we can play big, and I think we're going to have even more depth this year. We're very excited about the group we have coming in, one or two of the transfers we have in the portal as well. So the depth's going to even increase from last year, and as those young guys get more and more playing time and more and more comfortable, they're going to get. They're, they're going to prove dramatically too. So, you know, we're going to we're going to pick it up a little bit, play a different style, not a totally different style, but we're definitely going to play a little faster this year because we have that depth. All right. So, for athletic director, call one question. You and I texted <laughs> about this. I'm not putting you on the spot, but uh, you both of you, we seem to agree in our text that it would be great for the New York metropolitan area uh, to have uh, a play a, a tournament of all the local teams. Is anybody talking about that? You know, I think we referenced that big five example there in Philadelphia and the ability. How do we get the, the New York City schools to all play each other in some sort of holiday festival at MSG or some sort of opportunity? I think we would all enjoy that here in New York City if there was a, uh, a clean and fun way to produce that and get that non-conference schedule going in uh, either a preseason tournament kind of fashion. I think all the New York City uh, college hoop lovers would really enjoy that. Sure. All right. Keith Ergo, Ed Cole, you guys are fantastic. Go Rams. We'll get you back on the show next season. Keep up the great work. Okay, folks, we're back for the final segment of the show. I'm Jim Massano. This is College Hoops Chat Radio Show, our second to last show of the season, and it has been fantastic. Tom Pacora, the new head coach at Quinnipiac, and then we had both the athletic director, Ed Cole, and the Head coach at Fordham University, Keith Ergo. What a great show. And now we have Kenny from Rye to wrap it all up. Kenny, how'd you like that show? James, how we doing? Doing it was great. great. It's great, great to hear both of them. Tom is uh, someone who's uh, earned the job more than most others. And I think I'm so glad to hear he's back there. He's a protege of Jay Wright and the whole gang there. So I'm good to hear him. And it's great to hear the enthusiasm from Fordham as they're uh, you know, capturing the city 
uh, and the enthusiasm around college basketball, and they kind of were the the, the dominant force, uh, you know, in the media the last uh, couple of months. Yeah, I was so happy for Fordham this year. Twenty five and eight, they finished second in the Atlantic Ten. They made it to the Final Four, of the Atlantic Ten tournament. Uh, they were down by one with se- six minutes to go in the game. So it was really a great, exciting season. They were very close to playing for the championship to go to the NCAA tournament. Everything's great going on at Fordham basketball, and it's because of those two gentlemen that were just on the show, the athletic director, Ed Cull, and the coach, Keith Ergo. They literally took a program that was struggling for two decades and turned it around over two years. It's unbelievable. And if you think about it, they've done it with two different coaches. I mean, from a standpoint, you have to give the AD some credit here. Uh, as he was an early supporter of yours and got involved in our program early, it was you know and, and prominent around that. But he lost the coach Neptune very quickly to Villanova after one year of decent success, and then had to replace him right away. And, and then did obviously made the right hire. So it's just an incredible job, uh, you know. And the A10 is no 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 small division. It is a division with you know big big teams and, and big arenas. And so they're you know they're they're fighting a little bit of an uphill battle here. That's a good point. You know, uh, the A-10, although they didn't get as many teams in a tournament as they have in prior years, it's still a very strong conference, as Kenny's talked about in the past. Uh, about uh, half the teams in the conference have big NBA-like arenas they play in. I mean, this is a, it's a very strong conference. There's some terrific basketball players. I think they're getting a little bit of a hit with kids transferring out of the A-10, going to power conferences with this portal. But things will settle down eventually, and the A-10 will continue to be one of the strongest conferences in America outside of the Power Six conferences. And here's Fordham finishing uh, so high this year uh, in that conference. It was a really impressive season. It was great. It's great. It's great for New York, and I think from a perspective of, you know, bringing back you know, college basketball to New York, obviously with St. John's kind of struggling in the last few years. And, and, and then Iona kind of picking it up a little bit with Rick, but the, the transition of Patino to St. John's, Anderson to Iona, uh, you know, er, Ergo doing a great job for him. I think, uh, you know, it spells for the New York metro region, I think it spells some great times ahead next year. That is a great point. With Patino at St. John's and Tobit Anderson, who's so highly regarded uh, coming into Iona, and Keith Ergo over at Fordham, uh, and Speedy Claxton out of Hofstra did another terrific job out at that school. Uh, we really do have New York City college basketball on the rise right now, and that's exciting. Yes, exactly. And I, and I, I, I missed uh, Claxton there at Hofstra. He's done an incredible job as well. So I think it's, it, it's, only, it's only looking up, and I think a standpoint of we have the new arena, the UBS arena out in, in Long Island. I think that's going to be used at some point in time. It's a first-class facility. They have the garden, obviously, and I think those are all opportunities when they see the momentum behind college basketball in New York. Those teams will get an opportunity to play there. I agree. And so at the end of my interview uh, uh, with our Fordham friends, I was talking to Ed Cull how great it would be to have a tournament uh, like they're going to do in down in Philadelphia where all the teams play each other. You know, you had it uh, at the garden or maybe even... Uh, you're right, at where the Islanders are playing. Uh, what's the name of that arena? I forgot, Ken. UBS. Yeah, the UBS, UBS arena. arena with the Islanders, yeah. You could do it there. You could do it at Mass Square Garden. You know, you have a doubleheader, maybe Hofstra, Iona, Manhattan, and Fordham. I don't know if St. John's would play in it, but that's another team you can get involved in. Maybe you could have six teams somehow in it. We could maybe bring Seton Hall into it. Uh, we could have a tremendous basketball tournament, and I guarantee you, if you get all those schools in the same arena on one day, it'll be a sellout. This is a winning solution, folks, to bring a lot of excitement to New York College basketball. I'm going to have to keep talking about that on our Twitter page. 
Exactly. And you think about our friends from Villanova went there back from, you know, 81 to 85. They talk about the big five. And those games were probably the best games they went to all year from a standpoint of the band box at, you know, at, at many of the places in Philadelphia, St. Joe's, LaSalle, Villanova. I mean, there, were, there was no favorites no matter who, who was coming from what division. And I think that was, you know, a really, really good idea and still one that matters in Philadelphia. We don't hear about it as much here, but it matters in Philadelphia. And I think there's no reason why New York couldn't do the same. I agree. All right, let's turn to Quinnipiac. Tom Pacora was on the show. We really appreciated chatting with him. We want to uh, get him on the show. Let him talk about his new position as head coach of Quinnipiac. So it's interesting to see that he has five or six pieces, five or six guys who were in the rotation there last year back, which is pretty good. When you change coaches in this day and age, everybody jumps in the transfer portal. But they stayed with Tom Pacora as the new coach of Quinnipiac. So that does give him um, a nice position of strength to begin his time as the new coach. Yeah, he, he, he spoke about maturity and people being there, understanding the system. He'll obviously make some small tweaks here and there. But from a perspective of the people that are there, he obviously is in favor of them and in the, in the basketball that he's bringing back. He did mention he's got four open spots right now. You know, we, as we all know, that could change. You know, it could get smaller, it could get larger. But he seemed to be very confident with the people that he had last year that are on the roster going forward. So I'm glad to hear that for him because you know, Quinnipiac, and as he mentioned, they were the Division I uh, men's national hockey champs. So they've got some momentum behind them. That's true. And they won 20 games last year. Let's not forget that. They had a really good season. They were one of the better teams in the MAC. And uh, from what I just heard on that phone call today with Tom Pacora as their leader, uh, Quinnipiac should have a nice, strong team that will compete for the championship next year uh, in the MAC conference, especially if you can get three really good guys out of the transfer portal, right? Yeah, I mean, we've got a whole transition of coaches in the, you know, we'll talk about that when you, when you open back up in September. But from a standpoint of all the new coaching slots in uh, the MAC, it's going to be a very, very interesting division. I mean, Manhattan, Iona, and you've got teams like Quinnipiac coming back, and let's call Tom a new coach, but somewhat not, but he's getting some great players back. I think the MAC's going to be wide open next year, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see what goes on. I think some great games, which is the most important thing, is that they have good games in the division. Obviously, we know once they get to the tournament, you know, the winner goes to the NCAA, that nothing's going to change that, and that's the good part of it. So about a week ago, I don't know if it was a week or 10 days, but like, you know, recently, in the last 7 to 10 days, Iona only had two players on their roster. They had returning player Osborne Shima and one incoming freshman, Jeremiah Quigley, and that was it. And that was a little scary uh, for a radio show that covers Iona basketball. And here we are living uh, right uh, in this area, you and I, Kenny, from Rice, and we go to all the Iona games. But uh, this week, Tobin Anderson, Iona's new coach, who I'm very excited about, he's coming on the show next week, folks. It's going to be great. Uh, He really had a strong week. Uh, in recruiting. He brought in the transfer from Harvard, Iden Traitout, uh, who, from everything I've read, is will, will be a solid Mac player on day one. He'll be a starter. He'll be a really good player. And then he brought, uh, besides Jeremiah Quickly, who was already here, uh, a six foot four guard is from Venezuela, but he played at a prep school in Massachusetts. Uh, that's uh, Gene Arangurin. Uh Dylan Sanders, a six foot eight forward that can shoot the three. From Virginia, this came in uh, over the weekend, along with Alex Bates, who looks to be the gem, um, a six foot five forward from North Carolina. Fifteen Division One offers. Uh, like I read before, long and skilled and athletic, can play with or without the ball, can shoot, create, defend, um, and he uh, he's famous because he's got one of those dunks on YouTube that went 
spiral. So he's a terrific player. You might see him starting on day one for Iona. Yeah, as you said, they've got, you know, they went from two to six very quickly. And I think that's going to be somewhat the norm. I, you know, I think Anderson's expecting that. You've got a lot of those players out there who may some may have some ideas of maybe a power five, but, you know, then we'll settle, settle for, you know, more playing time at a, at a, at a great college. And so I think that's what we're seeing at this point in time. And I think those coaches in the MAC and other divisions like that are aware of that. So they're, you know, those that are patient, it's going to, it's going to be very, very helpful. I, you know, I've heard some other names out there. This guy, Joel Brown, another possible transfer from the University of California, has got a nice resume. So I think these, these are opportunities that are going to really work out for him. And again, when you have the whole team walk out, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that's the new norm. When they go put themselves in the portal, when you have a coaching switch, this is going to be the new norm. So you're going to have to go in rebuilding the entire roster. If you have two or three hangovers, you know, that, that seems to be you know, a, a positive comparatively to what, what we're seeing with most schools that lose their coach. So while we're a little nervous about Iona that they have six players on the roster and they still have to fill seven spots, uh, it, I do believe that Tobin Anderson being on ESPN for like a, every night for like a week is going to be very helpful uh, in the recruiting process. Now, right now, in the transfer portal, the big dogs are eating, right? The top schools, all the power conference are getting all the top players in the portal. But as you just said, uh, eventually most of those guys will be gone, and the guys sitting around waiting to see where they're going to go that didn't get taken by some big power conference, they're going to be available to Tobin Anderson, Iona. I do believe Tobin Anderson still got some big-time players he's going to be able to get to bring into Iona to play next season. Yeah, exactly, and, and he's and, and this this is the new roster build. So the so the, the freshmen aren't everything by any means anymore, and the transfers are aren't everything. You want you want to make sure that you have a spaced out roster. So right now he brought in he's brought in four freshmen. He's got one transfer, and then Shima's there. So effectively, he's got four first years, and then he's got two returning who have you know X amount of eligibility. But it's it's no it's no. Kind of, mis- you know, I guess you say misnomer or, or mistake here that Bates waited here. So then now he sees five, and then Bates, who's the, uh, the highest recruit out of all, all of them, sees who's coming in, waits a little bit, and then all of a sudden says, "Okay, I'm in." Now he's the number six, right? So what happens from then? That just builds momentum. So you're going to have success, success to get success. I agree. So I, I'm excited. We'll have him here next week. Tobin Anderson. It'll be fun to chat with the new coach. Um, one thing I want to mention quickly, Ken. I, I took a look. Uh, at a replay of the Texas Southern FDU game, which was the play-in game in the tournament. And I don't know if this has been talked about enough, but, you know, the funny thing about Tobin is that he doesn't coach that differently than Rick Pitino. He plays the full-court press. He's looking for deflections. He's looking for steals. He creates some offense off the defense. Uh, he likes to play fast. He doesn't like the guy sitting on the ball at the top of the key. He wants them moving quickly, everybody moving, ball movement, and get the shot off. Not that different than Rick Pitino. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's a very bright guy. He went to Wesleyan. I mean, he's, you know, and the Bill Belichick protege coming out of Wesleyan there from a coaching perspective. So he knows exactly what he's doing. And as you say, he's, had to, he's a guy who's had to earn his way up the whole time. So I think he's going to be a great addition. I think he'll do just fine. I agree. I think Tobin Anderson is going to rock it. I don't know. All right, Kenny from Rye, there's the music. Great job, Kenny. Next week, you and I are going to talk to Tommy Freyer together, our classmate about high school recruiting. All right, Jim, look forward to it. Thanks. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show. One more show on April 24th. We'll be back next week. See you then. Bye-bye.